They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Lynette Scava would do anything for her children, sometimes without them knowing it. I can't get over that story. <laughs> we heard about this story of Felicity Huffman and Lori Laughlin committing wire fraud to get their kids into college seconds ago. It is like someone fed me Molly before we started recording. <laughs> I know. It's, it was like it jolted us awake. <laughs> we record at an ungodly hour, but I am so glad that this happened just now. I cannot deal with the fact that Aunt Becky is trending on Twitter <laughs> no. as we speak. At the top, too. I just, saw, I just saw every black person on my timeline being like, Aunt Becky? Honestly, and then also being like Lynette Scavo, because we watched Desperate Housewives, too. Like we knew it was coming. And also being like, and they say we need affirmative action, and these white people are straight scamming their way into these schools. So To be honest, I expect this behavior from Nicolette Sheridan and Jody Sweden. <laughs> But these two, come on. But Nicolette Sheridan would bribe her. <laughs> Nicolette Sheridan would be the kind of mom who'd bribe to get her kids into like Harvard or something. Mm-hmm. They bribe to get their kids into USC. That does feel it a little. Just... Guys, you may as well go the full way, is all Which I'm is saying. Woo, child, the ghetto. Also, my, US fucking C. My favorite. It's a trash school. My favorite. It's not I a went, trash school. I went to Tish. Go to a real school. It's not a trash school, but it doesn't seem worth. Br- I mean, it seemed. My favorite thing was Felicity Huffman participating in basically a scam to cheat on the SATs. And at that point, why not just make the large donation to USC or to wherever if you're going to be cheating anyway? Why cheat on the SATs, which just runs the risk of like you're going to have to cheat twice? Right. You're like you're way likelier to get caught. Um, the best part of the story is the note Felicity Huffman wrote to the people she was setting up the the bribe with, I guess, about her daughter taking the SAT. And the message is, ruh ro looks like my daughter's high school wants wants to provide their own proctor. Like, we're oh going to get caught. <laughs> oh, my God. She said ruh ro No. Scooby style. No. I'm... Literally, I'm imagining her like Lynette from Desperate Housewives. Oh, yeah. Just like going to the school and saying to an administrator, oh, you know, I got my my kid, this proctor. And they're like, actually, we're going to provide our own. She's like, excuse (laughs) me. And then the plucky ABC music plays as she dashes to the women's room and texts the person, rough row. Also, how? I did not realize Aunt Becky had cash like that. Because she and her husband spent half a million dollars to get their daughters. And my... what they did was they like let the school some version of like the schools lied and said that the girls were like crew stars so that they could get into USC under the guise of being on the crew team. Right. And spent half 
a million dollars on that bullshit. Well, Lori has that money because her husband, who was also indicted, in case you're wondering, the husbands (laughs) were indicted. William H. Macy, surprisingly not. I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, But Lori Laughlin's husband is Massimo Giannulli, and um, he's the clothing designer who created Massimo. Yeah, the one that's at Target. All oh, the that's why they got money. So they got money. <laughs> she rich, rich. Well, also, <laughs> Fuller House is secretly maybe the most popular show of all time or also something. Also, Full House, yeah. too. Like, the residuals right. are everywhere. I, guys, they, like, they arrested Felicity Hoffman. <laughs> she was just a guest on Drag Race. <laughs> like, um, I, <laughs> how many celebrities are getting indicted this year? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Guys, it is only March it is early March. Y'all right. were worried about Jesse Smollett. Worry about these white women and their crimes. I just am instinctively worried for Home Improvement's Patricia Richardson. I feel she is next. That's which, my guess. Which is, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we're having fun and we don't want to jump into, you know, like the racial politics, which I'm sure right. social media has already shifted to. Yes. But I can't imagine. Um, anyone going on TV tearfully talking about how this is disadvantaging like other children <laughs> right. mm-hmm. um, the way that the Chicago superintendent has been <laughs> sobbing about this celebrity faking a crime. Um, I also love that because of this story, people are recirculating the fact that there was a 2000 book called The Price of Admission by Daniel Golden. And in that book, he talked about uh, parents who had sort of bribed to get their kids into school. And one of those kids was Jared Kushner. And, of course. Uh, uh, my then, hero. then when he my married hero. into the Trump family and everything, he was like, are people going to start talking about this again? Now people are talking about it because we're talking about rich people been also, bribing their way why, into school. Why wouldn't you just, I mean, I know why, I know the answer to this, but you're like, you have all the money in the world, clearly. You get your kid, like, the best SAT tutor. You, like, jank up their resume with, like, all of this bullshit. Like, there are other ways, and then you make, like, the donation, and then they almost certainly will get into the school. Also, like, your Felicity Huffman. Like, the idea of just going straight to the bribery when, like, you could have just made them, like, worthy of getting into the schools anyway, which is the way normal rich people do it is they just give their kids all of these privileges that like make them more likely to get in the school anyway. It's like you were really lazy. Also, here's my question about celebrities getting their kids into college. Is there like a huge culture of celebrity kids not getting into college? Like right. I'm, I'm just I, I would think colleges in a way would be intimidated into doing it. Also, again, I'm still not off the USC thing. Guys, if you want to get I'll just introduce you to Ron Howard. You don't need to go through all this Felicity Huffman. God. <laughs> also, yeah, you are you are one of the most like you are a part of a couple of an incredibly famous like two incredibly famous actors. You think your daughter can't get into USC off of that? Right. Like give me a break. You live in LA. Right. <laughs> You're royalty here. Yeah, just send a um Consider poster. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Couple also, of billboards. Yeah. Can I also say this upsets me because it has overshadowed the news we were gonna talk about, which was J Lo and A Rod getting married. Oh yeah. With A Rod giving Jennifer Lopez truly the stupidest diamond I've ever seen in my life. And I love it so much. It was bigger than four of her fingers. It's the dumbest diamond I have ever seen, and it is so perfect. So perfect. And I you know what, J Lo girl, this one's gonna stick. 
Oh, I think so. I feel it. I feel it. This fourth time's a charm. Fourth time's a charm. This is going to do it. I want to talk about the fact that this Heffa tagged the Ellen show in her Instagram, and I don't know if it was by accident. <laughs> she didn't tag A-Rod. She tagged the Ellen show in the Instagram post of the engagement photo. You know what? I'm sure there's a reason. Because she, yeah. J-Lo doesn't do anything. She is a with, game player. Yeah, she doesn't do anything without a reason. I'm, and maybe we'll discover later. That is weird that she would tag her the way like a 25-year-old twink who can play the piano tags the Ellen show in hopes of getting on. That is kind of silly. <laughs> Check out my SoundCloud. Also, the <laughs> Ellen show, wouldn't you love to put me on and give me 25K? I'm inspirational. Yeah. Ugh. Well, we have got a hell of a show for you today. <laughs> uh, if you thought that was it, we've got more. We've got Mandy fucking Moore here today. God, I love uh, her. Love Mandy Moore. And who, who doesn't love Mandy Moore? It's impossible. Like, it's just... We only have certain chemicals in our body, and they all are here to love Mandy Moore. <laughs> and we're going to talk about Kara's favorite person today. Pete Davidson. Ooh. Again. You like comedy, sweetheart? Again. He will not leave you alone. He will not leave me alone. alone. He is. He's the new Omarosa. He's my new Omarosa. <laughs> he is Michael Myers, and you are Laurie Strode, <laughs> just trying to read a book in your apartment. Baby, and send he's some kids. standing kiss. outside the window. <laughs> uh, we'll be right back. Showtime has canceled its comedy Smilf amid an investigation into sexual misconduct on the set by the show's creator, executive producer, and star, Frankie Shaw. Frankie Shaw sounds like uh, the anti-heroine of EastEnders. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the pub has blown up three times with her in it, but she survived. <laughs> Uh, in addition to the show being canceled, ABC Studios has suspended Frankie's overall deal, and in December of 2018, The Hollywood Reporter reported that several employees made claims of inappropriately handled sex scenes and Shaw's completely unprofessional behavior. The misconduct was so bad that actress Samara Weaving exited the series, citing breach of contract after Shaw mishandled one of her sex scenes. Weaving is said to have filed a complaint with both Disney and SAG-AFTRA after Shaw instructed video monitors to remain on despite it being a closed set. Oh, and then get to the get to the yes, yes. Get to, the, uh, get to my favorite part. Uh, in addition to these allegations, there were several complaints made to the Writers Guild <laughs> regarding credit issues and alleged race-based separation. <laughs> <laughs> this heffa had a coloreds only writing room, <laughs> apparently. Because so several sources claim that writers of color worked in a different room from the white writers and felt that their ideas were exploited without credit or pay. She really was like, listen, Brown versus Board of Education. <laughs> I'm not having these Negroes in my writing room. <laughs> You may Smilf over there. <laughs> I'm going to also start by saying I have never seen Smilf. It actually is good. Yeah, I think it's good. It's good, um, which is like, is, you know, if, 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 if you're sort of like looking more broadly, it's unfortunate now that a women-led, created, good comedy is no longer on the air 
but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> there are some other issues. Yeah, yeah no. At sh- least it wasn't Phoebe Waller's Bridge. Oh, I, uh, no, I would, I would die. die. I would I die. Would I would truly. I wouldn't be able to. If I found out tomorrow that she was a monster, I wouldn't be able to go on. I wouldn't trust anyone who said it. Nope, I wouldn't. Either. No, I literally be like, no. We'd be, we'd be like those Michael Jackson truthers. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'd be climbing into people's mentions. Releasing You're just jobs. trying to take down Fleabag. I, I, yeah, I'd take it personally. Killing. I'd be like, she is me. That's incorrect. I'd Phoebe re- and I are the same. I'd release a dove. <laughs> into uh, Amazon. Yes. Um, no, people kept telling me that I should w- watch this show. And then I remember around December when the allegations came out, I was like, well... <laughs> Ain't gonna watch that show. <laughs> and also, by the way, I was looking for a Rosie O'Donnell comeback in terms of acting. I like a nostalgic for the era in which she was a legitimate movie star. When she was like, uh, Seattle and uh, League of Their Own, and even that crazy movie with Dan Aykroyd, uh, Exit to Eden. And when she played Old Gully in Harriet the Spy. Right. Oh, yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. The what? first Nickelodeon movie. Uh, yeah, this is a crazy story. Well, the, to me, the weirdest part of it, uh, well, that's not true. The most notable part of it, or the one that we can kind of speculate the most about based on the information we have, is that there was a sex scene they filmed where in which she, from afar, like via a phone call, ordered them to keep the monitors on, even though that's not how you generally right. do a sex scene. That seems very crazy to me. Also, why? Like in the way these work, when you're when you're filming something, you'll have like Video Village, right? And it's going to be the director and the DP and maybe the writer and an, or an executive producer, like a small group of people. And then there'll be like other monitors for other crew members to watch. And in this case, what do the other crew members need to watch for? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you only need the director and the writer, presumably, and like maybe the DP. So like it also doesn't make sense why you would do it other than just to be like, well, fuck this girl. Yeah. Yeah. Frankie went on Seth Meyers' show and said that I went from making short films in my basement to running a crew of over 215 people, and there's a lot of lessons along the way. And then Seth Meyers added that at no point in show business is there a management meeting, and Shaw was like, thank you for saying that. I'll clap to that, leaving out the fact that she participated in the Writers Guild's uh, showrunner training program. Which is actually like very hard to get into. Yes, so uh, which is literally the definition of a management meeting. Right. <laughs> and I'm sure they were like, "Girl, don't make a colored only fountain right. <laughs> and put it in your writer's day room. one." You know what? I, something I loved is that I think I actually would bet that you know the larger impetus for this cancellation was the fact that Massachusetts was basically like we're going to take away your tax incentives to shoot there which presumably would make the show much more expensive um, while they look into the investigation of segregation and harassment and that Massachusetts was like hold up guys we're not going to support the segregation and harassment like we you know like you're not going to get your tax rate for it that the whole state was going to like withhold money for that reason is incredible. They love segregation in that I know. Country. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's also, you know, the thing is I you know, there was a there was an anecdote I think in like the original Hollywood Reporter story and it was about that actress in the sex team and I guess she didn't want to do the scene topless and like contractually didn't have to. Mm-hmm. And um I think the story was that Frankie went into the trailer and like lifted up her shirt and was like I've been topless, it's no big deal. And it's like you know, if a man had walked in to a <laughs> actress's trailer and pulled down his pants or something, it would be such a clear violation. You know what I mean? Like, there'd be no argument about whether or not 
they should stick around. I mean, yes, that is also offensive, but it's also so like Jenna Maroney from 30 Rock to come into her trailer and like take off your top and say, I've been topless. Yeah. <laughs> also, I, to be honest, I don't even get that part of the story because clearly, if there's a if it's in her contract that she's not going to do she's nudity, doing it. you're not going to like force her in a 40 minute window before a scene to do right, it. Right. What are I you, don't Brenda Lee Johnson? That's what I'm saying from the closer. Yeah. Like, oh, I've got many an actress to take their top off. <laughs> I'm fine. It's really just like a boundary issue, and it's unprofessionalism, and it's really like, and it's something that I think I think you see in Hollywood, like in entertainment in general, a lot, which is like people don't. Try treat this job like a professional environment, you know, and it's because, you know, you're you're acting and that involves certain things. And like when you're in a writer's room and the way that you talk and the jokes that you make, but like it's still this is work. People aren't there for fun. These are professional environments. And I think that that line clear like gets blurred a lot, which can be good. Um, but it also shouldn't be blurred because this is someone's job. Right. It's like I remember when there would always be reports about misconduct in writers' rooms or on sets and things. And people always like to go to the defense that we're like a family, you know? Sometimes we argue with each other. Sometimes we do this. I'm like, no, bitch. This is a job. I'm here for this paycheck. Yeah. And I'm trying to get home. And there was a report done by the think tank for inclusion and equity uh, called Behind the Scenes, the State of Inclusion and Equity in TV Writing. And it shows that things like <laughs> the segregated writer's room sound insane, but they're actually more sort of the norm than you think. You know, like 64% of diverse writers report having experienced bias, discrimination, and or harassment by members of writing staffs. 53% have pitched ideas that were rejected, and then a non-diverse writer will pitch it, and then a few minutes later, it'll be accepted. And, you know, all of us have heard stories about people who get hired as diversity hires, Mm -hmm. and then maybe they won't get back next season because... More often than not, uh, networks, the first thing that they'll cut when they cut a budget is the budget for a diversity hire. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't know what a diversity hire is in TV, it means extra money that's given to the show to hire a non-white writer. Uh, a non-straight white male, and um, the most I think notable time I've heard someone actually talk about that in media is how Tina Fey talked about how that's how Donald Glover was paid for on Thirty Rock. Yes, yeah, it's like they already have a staff, and then the network gives you some extra money so you'll hire someone who's not white, which is wild. I also this is my guess about these segregated writers. Well, I don't I don't want to say it's a guess. It's a it's a possibility. I feel like what happens a lot in writers rooms and you guys can are likelier to speak to this than I've never written for a drama before, but I feel like there will maybe be three main writers on a writer's room who will go and write things without the rest of the room, leaving people out, and therefore it is technically segregated. Yeah, I think that's actually what this was, which was like, it was under the guise of we're splitting up the people who are maybe most applicable to the story or who are maybe the best writers, and it just so happened that all of the best writers, quote unquote, were the white writers. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it was like, we're putting, we're like day one blacks in here, you know. (laughs) But I think it was, you know, which is the way to sort of skirt that was like, we can't help it that these are the best people, you know, and then we need them in this room. But clearly that place was on fire. So it's. Well, wasn't there also that report like a year or two ago from some 
sitcom where the like Trump voting writers, like the conservative ones were in a writer's room and like the liberal ones were. It's just sort of like these divides can happen in writer's room, mostly because for the most part, like the one I was in, um, like half of the room might be people that the showrunner personally knows and they trust already. And then the other half might be people that are new and sort of they're just at the staff writer level. But the problem is the way that Hollywood is sort of devised, those higher up people more often than not are white people. Um, because especially right now, uh, right now, because, because we haven't we've had this surge of diversity, but you have a bunch of new writers who haven't had the chance to be, haven't have enough credits to become an EP level or producer level. So yeah, you have a writers. lot of staff writers and story editors and that things. And it's going to take a few years before all of us have had enough experience to sort of bump up, which becomes hard for creators of color who want to do shows where I want a writer's room, I want producers, I want, I want above the line runner. people. I want a showrunner show runner who aren't white, yeah. people who are like, like I, I want an all black room. Or like, if an Asian writer's like, I want an all Asian room, it's like, can you find those people? Yeah. Because chances are they're either already working or they're not yet at the level yeah. to do that because they haven't been promoted by the white people that they work for. Yeah. It is just a mess. Um, I hope Frankie learns something. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope it's not any worse than what we read. Yeah, because you know, it's like it—it it really is shitty because the show is good, but you're also just like you can't do this. And I don't like the straight-up comparison to men because obviously, like a man coming in and doing that into in a woman's trailer is more threatening. Like I am more afraid of men than I am of women, and so there is a there's more of an implicit threat if a man had come in and done that to a female actress. When she does it, you're just like, bitch, what the fuck are you doing? This is so unprofessional mm -hmm. um so it's not like i don't think you can go so far to be like well she's like the you know the people who have been harassing women the whole time or whatever it is but it's not good it's certainly in that vein and now like we have one less good show because of it here's mm -hmm. my question about showtime what is it about that network that i can't figure out if any show is in its first or 17th season ray donovan are you older than i am by shameless? now shameless yeah 70 <laughs> seasons has been on for truly 55 years it is only this network i don't understand it at all i keep the, yeah uh, uh uh billions have you been on since i was in college i don't know guys that's what William H. Macy, that's how he dodged the bullet. He was shooting his 47th season of right. Shameless. <laughs> it's like Meet the Press, yeah. Lynette was literally at home. Her husband was gone. She was like, I got to do something. I'm bored. <laughs> I'm bored. Why not bribe? I want to see her on the witness stand being like, I was bored and I don't regret it. <laughs> you probably bribed to get your children into DeVry. <laughs> How does Frankie Shaw, by the way, look like 70 actresses? She, to me, looks like Missy Pyle. She looks like Anna Ferris. She looks like uh, a little Juliette Lewis in there. She does look kind of like Juliette Lewis. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I just, I, I'm astounded by her. I, she looks like somebody new every time I look. Christina Ricci. She, yeah. she played every character in Go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll be right back. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see Footprints in the Sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams robe. Now, 
is that a Leona Lewis song? <laughs> no? Uh, if you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. (laughs) Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And <laughs> I am the coziest a human being can be. Because by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's like pretty mild outside and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain mm. it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR and how I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. <laughs> Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations. There's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives have always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Doesn't the black experience sound like a three-disc Prince album we never got? Someone check the vault, please. <laughs> Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. Captain Marvel opened last Friday, settling once and for all that female herons can drive box office success. Because we did not know that before. I had no clue. <laughs> Never seen a movie with women a woman in, in it. movies. Why? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the film debuted with an insane $455 million global opening weekend, the sixth best start for a movie in history, and the second biggest opening for a superhero movie worldwide, just behind Infinity War. Uh. Now that Captain Marvel is outperforming most male superhero movies, proves that Wonder Woman wasn't a fluke success. 
Like we all thought it was. <laughs> That's what I said. I screamed, it'll never happen again to God. Because uh, men and women actively seek movies, whether or not they are helmed by a man or a woman. In fact, men accounted for 55% of the Captain Marvel audience. Wow. Uh, Congrats, our species. Yeah. Whatever. Um, <laughs> speaking of Captain Marvel, yeah. we have an actual superhero. In our studio right now. Guys, I love this woman. This is Mandy Moore. <laughs> I'm literally vibrating. <laughs> Are you kidding? Oh my goodness. I'm not going to be able to listen to this episode, though. I'm going to have to like fast forward through my segment. That's true. Because I'm not going to want to hear myself. We'll have somebody read over your voice. Okay, yeah, you, you can pick. Just for me specifically. Yes, so yes. I can listen. Do you find that often? Like, do you rewatch This Is Us? No. I mean, I watch I watch it. Yes, I do watch it because I watch it usually with like our cast. Okay, like you have yeah. a cast party. Yeah. Do you do watch you... it to think about what you're going to look like when you're old? <laughs> I can only hope I look that good. Yeah, no, she She's looks She's had great. some work yeah. done or something. <laughs> I'm supposed to be 68, and I'm like, mm, I'm a little suspect of that. She's like using La Mer or something. Yeah. Like she's got a routine down really, really well. Usually your look, I feel, achieves a Jane Curtin sort of like a... Like a, a, a woman who uh, is smart and capable and um, no skincare. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's got that angled bob. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. Angled bob. Thank you for saying my yeah. two favorite words. Angled bob. Thank you. Yeah. Mm. Mandy. Hi. What do you think? Of, about Captain Marvel? About women movies in general. <laughs> just, that's women, what we women, call them now, women wi- women, movies. Women's pictures, you <laughs> yeah. know, just like Cirque used to make. I mean, I can't believe we're still having this conversation. Like, it, aren't we beyond this it's so embarrassing that like you know these movies have to open big in order for i don't know studios the world at large to sort of take women seriously know that we sort of can lend ourselves to successful projects it just yeah i don't know what was it like for you back when you were doing a walk to remember. Oh, Chasing yeah. oh my Liberty. God. Oh my I own the How to Deal soundtrack, so don't even start with me <laughs> on what level of Mandy fan I am. Uh, because, you know, you were starring in these movies. You yeah. were the draw. I guess. I mean, I was also a kid, so I wasn't really fully aware of whatever power I sort of brought to the table. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to be a part of what I considered to be good storytelling. That's debatable, but in some (laughs) certain projects. But, And I think that's sort of the conversation we need to continue having just in general about these films and women-led films. Like, it shouldn't be about some sort of gendered narrative. A good story is a good story. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. that's the end of it. Something that I think is so bizarre is how infrequently people bring up the Hunger Games which starred a young woman, made truly boatloads of money, opened big. And that, you know, and and that movie came out a while ago. Those movies came out a while ago. And so to be like, well, is the superhero movie going to open? It's like the Hunger Games opened. Yeah. People like boys went and saw the Hunger Games. Sure. They were able to understand a woman with a bow and arrow somehow. Maybe because they sort of consider that to be a YA movie. And like there's a difference, a delineation Mm -hmm. between like a superhero movie, like a Marvel movie and a YA. But you're right. It's it's identical. Yeah. It's weird because these superhero movies have created these gendered conversations online. You know, it, you get these fights and this tit for tat between people who call themselves fans and like the general public who like, I just want to see a good movie. And people are like, I'm not going to see this because it seems like it's exclusionary to, you know, men now. But even as you said, we have Ripley, you know, in Alien. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the flip side of female directors, it's how many men love the movie Point Break? Catherine Bigelow, you know, like women have created a lot of great movies with men in them too. You know, they don't have to just direct 
the female superhero movie, and people will go see whatever if it looks good. Mm-hmm. I would hope so. Yes. I still am in general. I think something that bothers me about the framing of these conversations is like, you know, can a woman movie open big? It's like, can we at least just like say, can we make men just interested in the stories of women? I want to keep blaming men for not making more women centered movies a hit. Well, the the (laughs) issue is, right? Like, if you are not a straight white man, like, you have mostly not been represented well on screen. And so you've had to learn how to empathize with those characters. So like as a young black girl, I could still watch a movie that starred a white man and still enjoy it because I learned how to empathize with these people. I could watch a movie with a white woman because those were the stories. And so the problem is you have a bunch of people who have not had to empathize with women, who have not had to empathize with people of color, who have not had to take their stories seriously and try to relate to them in the way that I can relate to a story about a white man. And they've never had to do that and it's why they get all persnickety and up in arms and the and you know the solution there is like these are stories that we're telling and they're good stories and you need to learn that you can relate to someone because they're a human being and we're telling an interesting story not just what they look like that's even related to sort of what Yvette Nicole Brown and other black actresses have been talking about on social media lately about, you know, having hairstylists who can do black women's hair on set. You know, as black hairstylists you already know how to do white hair because that's how you get through cosmetology <laughs> cosmetology school. And um, on the flip side, it's not always true. You know, yeah. but- Mandy, who was doing Sterling Brown's hair? He has his own barber. <laughs> does oh, yeah. he? Absolutely, he does. Oh. I mean, he's Sterling K. Brown. Yeah. <laughs> As he should. As he should. I wish I had my own barber. I am... Making an appointment for the barbershop is difficult. <laughs> I bet. I have to put a credit card in. <laughs> really? I have to put a credit card in this week because I went and I was like, what is that with this? And they were like, we've been having a lot of no-shows because it's L.A. Yeah. Oh. Dang. They're like, last week when it was raining, they said no one came in. <laughs> 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 um, just speaking of... You know, even behind the scenes diversity, um, Mm -hmm. what have you noticed uh, just from working in working in Hollywood, working in music? Have Mm -hmm. you noticed a shift of the people who are behind the scenes more? Absolutely. I mean, I think there's also an awareness, like I'm almost 35 now and I've been doing it for almost 20 years. And there's just an awareness in the last couple of years that I've sort of really taken note of my surroundings. And I feel lucky to work on a show where we have a mostly female writer's room. We have lots of diversity. Like, and you feel it. It's palpable. Like, we have lots of female directors. And that's a priority from our showrunner. It sort of starts at the top with men understanding, Mm -hmm. you know? Female directors is a big... Uh, in television yeah. in particular, just one, it's like, I mean, to be very, like, it's lucrative. And mm-hmm. so, like, women being able to direct television and to direct enough episodes of television to, like, be allowed to direct a pilot, for example, oh, and something goodness. that is a really big career move, like, they can't get there if they're not giving given the opportunities to do it. Yep. All right. Mandy, uh, my question for you is this. I mean, you've actually been acting now for just as long as you, uh, I think people still think of you first as, Mandy Moore, one time a pop star, then an actress, but actually you started acting like seconds after you be- began your pop <laughs> career. Much, but yeah. do you, when like, let's say an award show is happening, do you watch pop performances and think like, oh yeah, I've been there? Or do you do you relate to particular performers still? Do no. you? No, really? Not at all. Interesting. I, I feel very like disconnected from the music industry and like what's happening in music. I don't think I really keep up with what's <laughs> super current because it's not necessarily my taste. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, and I never had a t- ton of like musical success like I wasn't performing on award shows that was so above and beyond me that I, I it's uh, there's no sense of like relating to them 
looking back and thinking, it just feels like I would have seen you on anything right next to like really? Jessica and Brittany and Christina oh, just because they, you like, were just because I don't know maybe it's because I love each other it just felt like everyone was all doing that stuff at once and maybe it's because you were in films like A Walk to Remember and stuff so you would still be seen at like I was still MTV in the movie yeah. awards yeah, and yeah. stuff you know but I was I mean they were superstars in every oh sense gosh. of the word that well, listen, never... Crush was justice for A Walk to Remember soundtrack which <laughs> Was I love that soundtrack? <laughs> I love it, too. it was so good. It's so good. I also I was at a um, I was out of town and staying at a hotel, and The Princess Diaries was on, and I was like, there she is, little baby blonde. I know baby. you were so young. You and like Anne Hathaway looked so young too. Because I think fun one. she's also now she's like a bombshell yeah. now. Yeah, totally. And so seeing her just like really awkward yes. 16, 17 and like actually awkward was yeah. so it was like such a blast from the past I mean and you are so nice and lovely but I love you so much as a oh, bitch yeah. insane oh, thank you <laughs> that was the first movie that came up when I was in high school that was savage enough that I would hear other people quoting it and you could tell those people were your friends if they were quoting saved I was like good you're just as dark as I am <laughs> I mean I'm filled with Christ's love yes, is right. one of the most iconic films Crash my van into Jesus? Yes. yes. <laughs> yes. We need to get you another villain role. Would I you want, like to? Yes. Yeah. People don't really see me in that context. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. I tried for so long to get a job in general. I'm happy to have a job, but now I'm like, cool. What else can I do to like surprise people? Something that's interesting about This Is Us is like, you, I mean, you're young still, and you're playing a mom, and you're playing like mm -hmm. a young mom, but then you're also playing like the older mom. Yep. And so I'm wondering if like, I feel like I've heard actresses say like when they start getting the mom roles, it's like it's all over. Oh no! But you're I like, say bring it on. More moms. Yeah, more moms. All the moms. Yes. I'm grandma and mom. And <laughs> you are grandma. <laughs> I do it all. It is weird about that though because it's. I mean, I remember so many actresses from the '90s who would play people's moms in films, and then later you come to realize that they're just like. 10 years older You're than like us. Yeah, years right. old, yeah. <laughs> it's like, why are you playing this Ugh. person's mom? If You're four years the older than that. In, in a nutshell, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Uh, so, you were talking about music before. Mm -hmm. What kind of stuff are you into? Like, what could we expect from new Mandy Moore music? Because you talked about wanting to do it. Right yes. now, Get actually. Out. Yeah. I, we just got done with work for the season. So, I was like, this hiatus, mm -hmm. I'm definitely concentrating on making music. And I have a production company. So, I'm sort of starting that up as well. But the music. Music is, I don't know, right now it kind of is sort of feeling like what Fleetwood Mac would sound like in 2019. Like organic and still pop, but like not necessarily making something for the radio per se. A lot Lewis of, is a just lot passed of, out. You guys can't hear it. I'm clutching the table. Lewis is dead. I, I hope you have people just like fighting and doing cocaine in the background. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, very and, and, Steve, and Stevie Nicks doing spells. <laughs> I just was at Mandy one time had an, uh, an album called Coverage, which was in which you covered uh, Carol yeah. King and uh, Joni Mitchell. Yeah. And, like, so a part of me was uh, always realized, like, you you didn't fit into, like, pop trappings. You were, like, a, kind of an old soul always trying to make music in that vein eventually, That's you know? You have an you. album called Wild Hope that yep. was very singer-songwriterly yeah. in the same way. Yeah. yeah. That pre-Lady Gaga. Pre yes. Yeah. Yes. You, you, you had the first cheek to cheek. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'll take it. Uh, no, you know, I mean, we were talking about um, the earlier pop stuff, but your later albums are still some of my favorite music. Clean. Extraordinary is actually my favorite song. Iris 
is being so nice today. It's truly you're gonna. You have to become a permanent part of this because Ira is on his behavior. I am usually a monster, yes. but when I Come tell on. you um, that there were like songs of yours I listened into in my discman in <laughs> high school, yes. uh, which is crazy because also I guess when you're in high school, you everyone seems like older and larger than life to you. Yeah. And I'm like, you're our age. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. We I, 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 together. Yeah, yeah. I was going to math and, you know, you were, I you know, making math. out with Shane West. Yes, I know. Can I tell and you? doing math. Yeah. yeah. When A Walk to Remember came out on DVD, because I'd already seen it in the theaters, my friend and I watched it three times in one night and sobbed. And so her younger sister, who's only like a year younger than us, she came in the first time we were watching it and was laughing at us because we were like sobbing. Oh. And then by the third viewing, she was right next to us crying as well. Wow. Like, yes. yes, we got you <laughs> on the third viewing on this Friday night. I would say, but by the time a third viewing rolls around, I think it counts as brainwashing. Though. Yeah, so exactly. who knows what she thought. Totally. You walked so Shailene Woodley could die. That's right. Oh, we yeah, led the you, way. You were, that was one of the first, like this sort of genre of these very sad teens who die. Right. Movies. Yeah. Five Feet Apart is out right now. You know, that Cole Sprouse same? movie. Like it's, it's like they both have a disease. I don't know which one. People. They can't touch each other. Oh, goodness. But they're in love. And I assume one of them dies in the end. I just have someone's to. Someone's got to gotta die. Yeah. 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 Otherwise, where are the tears? Yeah. yeah. What are we here for? Yeah. Has anyone <laughs> reached out to you about like any like of these projects you were in in the past about trying to reboot them? No. I well now I would be playing the mother, but um, uh, no, the not mom, that I've heard of. You could play Shane you, West's mom, <laughs> Daryl <laughs> Hannah, the Daryl yeah, Hannah role. Was Darryl, yeah, it was Daryl Hannah. <laughs> Mandy, just a question for you I have is, who do you stand? Like, who who are, like, your faves and just any... I stand you guys. Oh, oh my please God. Don't. Oh, my God. Don't. I am... Aim higher. Yeah. <laughs> Can I say when you first followed, like, me and us on Twitter, I was like, okay, I mean... Many more. Maybe we were just talking about something interesting, and she was like, "Let me find out who these people are." No, when I realized no, no, no. that you loved Keep It, yes. I was floored. I was like, "Where have you guys been my whole life? Why isn't this on daily? I need it every We've day." We've been at brunch, just saying this yeah. to ourselves. <sighs> yeah, I don't. I don't really stand anybody necessarily. I really, Off that's the top healthy. Of my head, I can't. That's healthy. Really, I think. I think stand culture. I've actually had to take a look at that. Like if I had to, if I'd say now like my true standages, I'm just going to do Beyonce and Rihanna. Uh, and okay, okay. And everyone, Then maybe Cardi, but I mean, I love Cardi, but she'll probably let me down because everyone will let you down eventually. <laughs> right, right. True. And so that's when you're too much of like, too much of that fandom. And then that's when you get, I mean, to get very dark, that's when you get into the Michael Jackson, like you're defending crazy shit mm. from people because yep. you're just too deep into the fandom. I and I don't want that. honestly thought about what it would take to make me turn on Beyonce. It would. <laughs> yeah, what would it take? <laughs> I mean, it was truly like she'd have to... She'd have to shoot someone on the street. We'd right. have to like see it. Even that, it would have I to. Be, say, it would have to be Michael Jackson level because if she's just a murderess, I mean, yeah, she <laughs> might make that look cool. I mean, yeah. so tango. Yes. Yeah, I'd be like, they had it coming. Yeah, <laughs> it would have to be so dark. It would have to be so dark that I can't even think of it. You know what I mean? Because like yeah. I feel like I hear about crimes where I'm like. If you had said to me, Kara, what's the worst crime you can think of? I wouldn't even have thought of that. Yeah. Beyonce would have to be something that I can't even conceive. Mm. Mm. And Rihanna, too, because like, I'm hanging on. <laughs> Mandy, what were your... Did your fans ever have like a, a name? 
I don't think so. I think is I was that you were, you were, a little before yeah. before like the names. The names. How are the but this is bandies? us fans? Yeah. I, nobody's super crazy. I feel like because it's mostly women, they go after the guys like okay. Milo and Justin and Sterling. Like there's, they're probably more obsessive about them. But also, it's like we're a family show yeah. that yeah. I don't think it really like necessitates that sort of like I don't know. You're right. Like yeah. if, if I think about like Gilmore Girls, I don't think any of those fans were like homicidal <laughs> into Stars Hollow. No, yeah, no, I no. Mean, no. I am obsessive over Justin because he was on Passions, and <gasps> I, right. I will love Fox Crane. That was the his day character's name. His name was Fox Crane. I can't. And he was <laughs> dating Whitney. Well, he was in love with Whitney, who was dating someone named Chad. And Justin left the show before the recast came in and discovered that Chad was Whitney's brother. <laughs> you've got to, next season, you've got to go into the writer's room and be like, I have a pitch. We're just doing one standalone episode. Of Dr. Yeah. Uh, Fox Crane. Yeah. <laughs> comes back. The bottle episode, yes. Uh, well, I cannot wait until this album comes out because I will create a name for Mandy Moore stands and I won't be in people's mentions just like the barbs, uh, just, just like, like the, the little barbs. monsters. I will be threatening people. <laughs> I will say your back. fave could never. You truly can never leave. This is the nicest Ira has ever been. You have to every Tuesday morning now. I'm sorry, yeah. Mandy. Medically, show up. You yeah. have to Well, I have here. the open invite now, guys. <laughs> Medically, we need I know. This, what so. if we just had like Mandy more pop-ins? Like, we're talking about whatever, and then you just hear like an angelic voice, and we're like, Mandy's here. <laughs> I'll bring like pastries. It'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, read we my mind. do yeah. love recurring guests on this show. Guys, so, anytime. All right. I'll come and check in. Uh, well, thank you so much thank for being you. here. Ooh, this was great. I don't even want to do the show anymore. <laughs> I, <gonna> say. <laughs> I always say keep it's the best part of the episode. Clearly, it's not this week. Oh, wow. For the first, this is the first time. Yeah. I think he said that. Keep it's over. Yeah. The show's over. We <laughs> won't be back. <laughs> I'm kidding. We'll be right back to talk about Pete Davidson. <laughs> <laughs> Here you are, BPM's high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. When it comes to scents, you should pick ones that smell like, well, you. Target gets it, which is why they offer a range of personal care products with fragrances for everyone. Be true to floral you with Dove Peony and Rose Body Wash. Live your fresh life with Degree Ultra Clear Deodorant. Express your decadent side with Love Beauty and Planet Coconut Shampoo. This spring, choose care that brings you joy beyond labels. Pick up new favorites at a Target near you or online at Target.com. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Okay.
guys, Mandy Moore was the sister. I wish I had the mother. Everyone deserves. <laughs> I don't know a better person. I do have a sister. Yeah, I think you, you are. You have a real sister. Sometimes I'm worried you're incapable of expressing yourself, not using memes. I want you to. I want you to have the facility of real words you've thought of yourself. Wow. Yeah. Just FYI. I honestly feel like you we... know what? Fuck you. I'm back to being a bitch. <laughs> no, guys. <laughs> Mandy's gone. We're gonna have to have. We're gonna have to have Mandy more like breathe into an air tank, and we're gonna have to keep it, and we're gonna have to like inject it into Ira's veins before every recording. Yeah. So he just gets her essence in his bloodstream. Uh, uh, let's talk about this asshole Pete Davidson. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Pete Davidson, America's. Favorite ex-boyfriend. <laughs> I would say America's person. Just <laughs> an American. <laughs> as far as we know. Yeah. <laughs> he can't stop pissing people off. Whether he's kissing Kate Beckinsale <laughs> and, okay. and leaving Anthony looking awkward uh, or not marrying Ariana Grande, we can't stop hearing about him. And this week... On Saturday, he was booed after he appeared on SNL's Weekend Update and likened the Catholic Church to accused pedophile R. Kelly. On Weekend Update, he said, this guy is a monster and he should go to jail forever. But if you support the Catholic Church, isn't that like the same thing as being an R. Kelly fan? I don't really see the difference. Only one's music is significantly better. I think that joke is actually fine. Also, question, are you telling me... I'm surprised people are really blowing up about this. Um, we've been calling the Catholic Church pedophiles for 40 years, right. even before it was confirmed with big news stories. Like, why is everyone... Yeah, <laughs> the idea that like people have just now said something about the Catholic Church doesn't make any sense. I also do not understand, fundamentally, this urge from people, usually men, to point to another awful person when we're talking about an awful person. Because it's always like, well, you know, uh, Louis C.K., but look at Harvey Weinstein. It's like, they both suck. Yeah, right. There's no need to make the comparison. We can say R. Kelly is a goddamn monster. The Catholic Church has a lot of issues with priests molesting children. Both of those things exist and you there's no need to talk about them in tandem. Also, you're talking about the largest institution on the planet versus a fucking R&B singer. Like, there's going to be some differences. But also, are we really booing him for talking about the Catholic Church and this shit. I, I mean, don't think they were booing him because of the Catholic Church. I think they were booing him because it's just like such a cheap joke. You know what I mean? It's such like a cheap, dumb comparison. But also, it's like such a traditional method of making a joke. Like, this one thing's bad. It reminds me of this thing. You know what I mean? It's just like easy weekend update style writing. I mean, like maybe it lazy is maybe accurate. I don't know. I feel like talking about the Catholic Church on SNL is dicey. I mean, they did hang uh, Sinead O'Connor. Yes. <laughs> if once an episode we could just bring up Sinead O'Connor was right. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Ripping up a photo of the Pope. He should have just saying nothing compares to you and then ripped up a photo of R. Kelly. Oh, it seems yeah. so obvious now. This is well, why you're not head writer. Yeah. We should be. Yep, there we are. Uh, Actually, you know what was more interesting to me was how he was talking about what you should do if you still want to be into the music of R. Kelly or Michael Jackson. Because let me tell you something. I was driving in my car the other day. 
Remember the Time came on, a song we all know. Oh, that video, too, with Iman. That's my favorite Michael it's song. The, oh, that video is incredible. I'm now going to try to recount my entire thought process as that song just came on the radio. Didn't John Singleton direct that video? Oh, I really love that video. Iman, amazing. I'm not sure the comedy works. You know it was a good video? In the Closet, directed by Herb Retz. Oh, my God, it's a Michael Jackson song. <laughs> like, it took me three full minutes to realize, oh, I was listening to this person who not seconds ago, for my job, on a podcast, I was saying, let's stop listening to. It really takes a lot of active listening. A friend of mine has been very vocal about how he's been arguing with people on Facebook who are like, I refuse to watch because uh, I don't want to... Um, hate Michael Jackson, and he was just like, I was like, first of all, that's why I'm glad I'm not on Facebook anymore. And he was coming over to my apartment, uh, and I was there with another friend, and I, just for like a dumb Instagram video, I wanted to catch his reaction uh, if he came in and saw us listening to Michael Jackson. Mm -hmm. His Uber was late, so it ended up with us like listening to five Michael songs in a row, waiting (laughs) for that moment, and then at a certain point I was like, now I'm just listening to Michael Jackson. You know, and enjoy. I have an un- I have a maybe unpopular opinion about the listening to music. I don't think that's the most important part of this. Like truly, like listen. I th- I think for someone here's the other thing about Michael Jackson: the history and the memories that we have for his music are so long. We have really the memory and association of him as a pedophile that's fairly recent. So I actually can't understand how someone who grew up with Michael Jackson, who has such a trove of memories tied to this music, can listen to it and not immediately think of the new information because it is new information and it hasn't been part of like the culture and the way we talk about him for very long. But I just think that you know, with someone like R. Kelly, where he's still actively making money off of music, I can see like not listening to the Spotify. Michael Jackson is dead. You can't hurt him by listening to his music or not listening to his music. Like the jig is up with that one. And so I just don't think, I think the more important thing- You can keep Jermaine out of Gucci. (laughs) I just think the more important (laughs) thing is, well now how are we responding to victims? Like what are we doing? Are we donating money? Are we listening to people? Are we trying to purge these people from our lives? Like what I worry is that people are gonna be like, I skipped that Michael Jackson song on Spotify and think that they did something. Uh And it's like you didn't, you did nothing to help victims really because you're in your car and no one knows what you're doing. And I just think that that's not, I don't think that's the first response we should have, and I certainly don't think it's the biggest problem we have in dealing with these people. Speaking of, uh, when we were talking about the Jackson family last week, I had completely forgotten that to promote her book, LaToya was like, he did it. Right, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And then remember, he sort of accepted her back into the family, and then she never talked about that shit again. Right. LaToya is always sort of on the brink, shall we say. And she's also on The Masked Singer, which throws everything into question. Was she? Yeah, she was on Masked Singer. Of course she was. I mean, she was on Celebrity Apprentice. Right, right, Connecting her to Trump. Good Lord. LaToya on Celebrity Apprentice was beautiful, though, if only because Nene attacked her by calling her Casper the Ghost. Yeah, I right. can remember that. <laughs> What's she going to do, Casper? <laughs> but she was also weirdly unflappable. She, she, LaToya Jackson kind of always looks like she's about to shatter, but at the same time, she also seems impeccably nice. So, right, because she was <laughs> fired, <very> <laughs> and then she came back, and she was like, Mr. Trump, I just think that the way I was fired wasn't appropriate. You should bring me back to the show. I'm like, what? We have gotten so <laughs> off track. Yes. Um, speaking of Pete Davidson, though, isn't it sort of weird, well, not weird, annoying, or maybe a little 
suspicious mm. how he continues to have these weekend updates that seem designed to create an uproar on social media. Oh, I think yeah. people are obsessed with making him a, not just a generational spokesperson, but a, a true superstar in, in his own right outside of the relationship with Ariana Grande. Yeah. You know, but Which, it is why? interesting. Why? It is why? interesting though because I still don't feel like he has a breakout comedy moment. I, no, for me personally, he's not Paula Poundstone in the pavement. That's what I. I, you know, <laughs> you may not say that to me. I also, I haven't. I've, I feel like I've seen snippets of his stand-up, which I think is funnier than him acting. Yeah, like his skits to me, because also he breaks a third, truly a third of the time, which seems to me to be the main job requirement of SNL is to get through the fucking sketch without laughing, and he truly is almost always breaking. Well, also, to be fair, if you can't do that, you end up hosting a late night talk show. That's right. <laughs> also, and there are people who don't break, namely Cecily Strong, and I almost want to say they are underrated for that reason because people are really drawn well, to the breaking, and she's yeah. so professional and so committed to characters that it seems less fun somehow. Well, she's a good actor. There's that. <laughs> like, that's, that's probably what that tells well, you. Well, tell her to make out with Ariana Grande. Oh, my God. Yeah, it does, because I don't, Pete Davidson, I doesn't, isn't writing these jokes, so he's just going up there and saying it, and it is like, it's so annoying because it, it could have been anyone, too. You it, know what I mean? Like, yeah. he, like there's nothing about Pete Davidson where he had to be the one to deliver that joke, other than they were probably like, well, he hasn't been in enough sketches this episode. Like, make him do Weekend Update. I do hate when he tends to do these things because it tends to put you in an awkward position. Like, last year when he went after Dan Crenshaw, and I thought that joke was funny, too when he said that he looked like a hitman from a porno because he had an eye patch, but then it created this backlash where people were defending Dan Crenshaw, he's a veteran, he lost an eye, we have to defend him, and then Dan Crenshaw got to come on the show, right. and it made him into this mini-celebrity, and now he's in photos with Chris Evans, showing him his Captain America glass fucking eye, <laughs> and it's like, can we talk about the fact that he was a moderator for a white supremacist Facebook group, <laughs> and I get that he wasn't in it being like, MAGA, you know, like, let's kick out the immigrants, let's kill people who are black, but... He did post videos in it, like campaign videos, and says that he didn't really look at the group and he removed himself from it after he was asked about it. But you were up in that group. Like, you were probably getting notifications on Facebook. Yeah. And you can't be a person who supports Trump and then make your whole campaign. Um, I'm the civil one who gets to come on SNL and be like, don't make fun of me because of my eye patch. You support Trump, who makes fun of people's race, right. makes fun of people's appearances all the time. Like, you don't get to be this guy. And I hate Pete Davidson for launching Dan Crenshaw into the public sphere like this. Also, we only get one uh, icon per year with a eye patch and mine is Rosamund Pike in that private war movie where she's smoking on camera and looking real grizzled. You know, it also, SNL actually had <laughs> a very funny sketch this weekend, because um, much like me and the rest of America, I just watched the clips that people say are good on Sunday morning, but Idris Elba, where he goes into the store, he goes into like, this store, and they won't return the shirt that he bought, and he's like, you won't like me when I get angry, and he does this sort of Hulk thing, and you think he's going to turn into like a monster, and he turns into an 
indignant white woman. <laughs> and she's just like, I am feeling threatened. I am calling the police. Excuse me. Excuse me. Back up. Excuse me. I don't like your tone. And it is so fucking funny. And that we are not talking about that sketch. Instead, we're talking about this dumb joke Pete Davidson made is a crime. Wow. I mean, now I'm thinking about the social ramifications of Idris having to turn into a white woman in order to get any sort of recognition in a store. You know, it reminds me of when Audre Lorde um, once said that... uh, I just did that to see Kara's look. <laughs> Kara was like, "This nigga ain't about to talk about Audre Lord." I saw, I saw you, I saw a bit coming up, and I was, I lowered my glance. Is what happened. But you know, there. when you can't tell where he's going with it, I usually, I know where we're going. Yeah. This is one where you're like, "Oh goodness, this could go <laughs> truly anywhere." Anyway, all I have to say is, "Fuck Dan Crenshaw." <laughs> the only person with an eye patch I love is Steve Patch Johnson from Days of Our Lives. Oh my God. And please. And L Driver, I guess. We, oh, yeah. Can the best. we stop? No more Pete Davidson world. Uh, I've had enough. By the way, in, talks, in terms of enough. canceling p- music, do you know who is still not quite canceled enough? That would be James Brown. It's weird that I hear his music all the time. It's like, how many times have you been a, a, a arrested for domestic abuse? A million? Is he still alive? No, but I'm just saying. It's one of those well, things. Where like, like, I mean, but he's like, I mean, there's so many. Like, if you're going to do that, first of all, James Brown is incredible music. But if you're going to do that, you know how many men have been beating their wives? We're actively listening to musicians who were probably beating their wives truly this second, which is not to dismiss it. But it's just like, when you get into that, it's like, we, we honestly can't listen to any music. I know. I mean, and it's hard. When Chris Brown says these hoes ain't loyal, I'm like, some points were made (laughs) these gay hoes ain't loyal i'm going to encourage men to be better (laughs) thank you if the hoes he was talking about was the men of west hollywood i agree it it sure wasn't so wow well he's not here for us to ask him and he won't ever be thank you I tried to think of a joke in response to that, and I was like, ain't no way I want Chris Brown on this show. I couldn't even commit to the bit. You couldn't even run it. I would. (laughs) How about that? Ah, look at you taking me down. (laughs) Forever. Ah. I would break. Are we done? I would would break on (laughs) SNL completely. Anyway, when we're back, keep it. And we're back. Uh, well, this is, like I said, this is not the favorite part of the show this week. Wow. Right. So I'm like, we still got to do this show. Mandy fucking Moore was here. I know. Enjoy this runner up for our favorite segment on the show. I am missing her like candy. <laughs> <laughs> that album was called So Real. I know. Which she was. Uh, and she, she was, was really here. Uh, mm-hmm. She was so really here. Mm-hmm. We're done with this. Lewis, what is your keep it? Uh, my keep it is to a musical that Broadway.com tells me exists. But based on the information I'm going to give you, you're going to think that's not the case. <laughs> Britney Spears musical Once Upon a One More Time sets pre-Broadway <laughs> run in Chicago. I'm just going to start reading and then you tell me if you're crying. A new Broadway-bound musical comedy based on classic fairy tale stories and set to the smash hit music of Grammy-winning superstar Britney Spears will have its world premiere this fall. There's a quote from Britney Spears, I'm so excited to have a musical with my songs, especially one that takes place in such a magical world filled with characters that I grew up on who I love and adore. Wait for it. 
And once upon a one more time, Cinderella, Snow White, and other fairy tale princesses gather for their book club when a rogue fairy godmother drops the feminine mystique into their corseted laps, <laughs> spurring, spurring a royal revelation. I am on fire. What does any of that mean? How does this correspond with the song Lucky? Are you going to have Audrey McDonald crooning like, I'm not a girl, not yet a woman? I'm very confused. Also, that is the worst title I have ever heard in my life. It's the most Jenna Maroney 30 Rock title of anything I've ever heard. I'm mystified. I'm angry. I like the song Perfume, and I don't know if I would like it if Maleficent sang it, which sounds like that's what's going to happen here. it's on Broadway in Chicago? It's It's starting in Chicago, a pre-Broadway run. It's probably going to stay there, to be honest. (laughs) In the suburbs? Yeah. Yeah. Listen, Betty Friedan's favorite song is Stronger, so I can see (laughs) why. (laughs) The feminine mystique is about waiting for the song Stronger to come along, yes. (laughs) I mean, is it this easy to do a Broadway play? Can I just walk in and say some words and will people give me me money? I guess. I mean, it, it, I mean... (laughs) <laughs> no, but <laughs> the thing is, this happens with most shows. We're hearing about it because it's Britney Spears, and apparently this is happening very quickly because of a canceled Michael Jackson musical. Oh. Um, oh. They were like, who? Who, who, who <laughs> can we get out there? Um, and you know, you do a show in another city, and you hope it's successful enough to then get more producers to come on and right. pay for it to go to Broadway. And I mean... Maybe, maybe a bunch of gays are gonna go see this in I Chicago. Yes, no yeah. I people love Britney. You know, I will say at least Britney and unproblematic fave. You know, who really has mostly minded her business because her dad has made her. I was say, and her dad took the rights to yeah, all of the business she yeah. should be minding. And yes. you know, and she works out and she does her little show. Yeah. Listen, so I'm happy for her. I love Britney. Yeah, and you know, for the most part, I was paying. Uh, multiple times to go see her not do anything in Vegas while her songs played. So it will be <laughs> uh, fun to pay a lot of money to see Broadway singers perform her songs. I guess, yeah. Too bad it's also like this weird methamphetamine version of the movie Book Club. Mother of God. Anyway, that's my keep it. <sighs> well, my keep it this week is to. I'm just going to say the entire state of Utah. Oh. Um, for what transpired at a recent NBA game, Russell Westbrook plays for the Oklahoma City Thunder. They were playing the Utah Jazz, which is an ironic name because <laughs> what the fuck? Um, if you can think of a state with rhythm, you go immediately with, to Utah. Right. Basically, he was being heckled by a fan who said something just like really foul at him, and Russell rightfully got upset and basically threatened the dude and his wife and was pissed and yelling him and you had all of these white people who were like he should be fined he shouldn't be yelling at fans we also later find out that the guy who was yelling at him has literally tweeted go back to where you come from you came from MAGA all of this shit so clearly a racist where does he think Russell Westbrook is is from from. exactly but I just like (laughs) this has happened this happens frequently with NBA players and like listen I know how sports work I know you get to yell at people and whatever but it honestly feels like you have people that go to these games so that they can yell shit at, pe- at players who they know cannot respond. Because you know what you wouldn't do? You wouldn't say that shit to his face if you were just walking down the mm-hmm. street and you saw Wes- Russell Westbrook. You know good and goddamn well you'd keep your mouth shut because he would knock your ass out. And it's just, it's at the, it honestly at this point, it's 
like workplace harassment, like allowing people to say these things to you. Like people who were saying these shit to this player, saying shit like that to the players should be kicked out of the games. And they were like, oh, we have signs up that says you can't like, you know, harass the players or whatever. It's like clearly nobody's listening to those signs. And it's just it's so one sided where, you know, you have people calling for him to be fined um, and saying he should have kept his composure because, you know, he's a professional and blah, 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 blah. But it's like being a professional doesn't mean you get to be subjected to people yelling hateful shit at you. Yeah, that's unhinged. Should have done like that Jaguar. <laughs> in the cage. All right. Yeah. Tell, it, tell these white people to stop playing with animals. <laughs> stop playing with animals and NBA players who can kick your ass or eat you. And it's just like, you just, they would never, it's only because of the protection they know they have. And they know that if he had lost his temper and gone into the stands, he could sue him. He'd be fine. He'd be kicked out. He'd be vilified. They know that there's no way that they lose in that scenario. And it's just so chicken shit, like paying tickets to go to a fucking game to yell at adult men and yell racist foul shit at them. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Sit your ass down, watch the game, watch people with goddamn talent, and keep your mouth shut. If I'm looking at a map of the U.S., by the way, Utah is the ugliest state. It looks like a jigsaw puzzle piece in a puzzle for children. I think also there was a there was a NBA <laughs> <laughs> there was a player. I think it was Matt Barnes had tweeted something like. The jazz fans have always been the most racist fans in the NBA, which, like, I mean, if your state doesn't even have black people, you shouldn't be allowed to have an NBA team. There's that. If they're the only black people in the state, if the only black people in the state are playing professional basketball, they shouldn't have to be there. If there are more tabernacles in your state than black people, (laughs) it's a no. Also, say that shit to his face. By the way, Utah literally this week moved to finally legalize um, fornication outside of marriage. So I'll suggest they are behind the They're times. Behind. Yeah. I just really want, you know those videos of like a white person on the subway and they're like berating a black person and then they'll go too far and usually they call them the N-word and it's finally that black person who had cut their composure will, I've seen so many videos where they truly knock them out in one punch and it's like a cold clock and down they go and you're just like, you know what, shouldn't have said it. I mean, like, assault isn't great, but, like, who... And everyone on, like, the bus or the train or whatever is just looking... Like, no one goes to help him. They're just like, yeah, man, probably shouldn't have called him the N-word. You wouldn't be on the ground right now. Who among us? Who among us? <laughs> I hit myself every time I call myself the N-word. <laughs> My keep it this week is to... The Christmas Prince 3? <laughs> this is the third one of these. I love a trilogy. I am very confused by the concept of these movies. Is he only a prince at Christmas? <laughs> Why is right. it called the Christmas Prince? Where your royalty a, doesn't work that way. Would yeah. it be like the Prince at Christmas time? Would that be a better mm-hmm. title? I don't know. I like it. It's a brigadoon. Like, does he only pop up at Christmas as a prince? <laughs> he's only a prince. Otherwise, he's not a ruler. Like, where, who's the Halloween prince? <laughs> well, it is sort of like how ma- does Elvira exist in April? You know what I'm saying? Mm. Let, he's like a he's like a white Jack Skellington. Right. 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 I think Jack Skellington what? is black. What is, I've not seen um, any of the Christmas Prince iterations. I haven't either. Where's the princess switch to? <laughs> I want to see more At princesses Christmas. getting switched yeah, up. Yeah, like what is that movie? Is it, is, is it just about some girl meeting a, man, a prince at Christmas and... And that's it. And then he disintegrates after Three Kings Day. <laughs> okay, but maybe. But then there's a Christmas Prince too, which... Ooh. Does she not see him again till Christmas? Maybe he's Jesus. Mm. Oh, I would love that he's, turn. Yeah. And and that's why he's like truly the prince of 
Christmas. That well, was right. <laughs> there's some big historical accuracies because Jesus actually wasn't born on Christmas. Uh, <laughs> and we were actually celebrating the winter solstice. I believe it was Toni Morrison who once said, <laughs> that's our show. <laughs> oh, yes. By the way, Toni Morrison has a new book out, a collection of essays and speeches. I'm going to tell you right now, it's a lot thicker than you think it's going to be. It's got a beautiful millennial pink cover, but that woman, it honestly, you're like, why does anyone else write words? Uh, she's an amazing writer. Why does anyone else write words? She is. To make money, Kara. Oh, that's why. Yes, that's yes. why. I mean, I don't, we shouldn't, though. Pick up Sula, too. You know what also uh, Toni Morrison wants you to do? Watch me on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire today. My episode <laughs> airs on Wednesday. Enjoy. Mm. We're going to edit that out of the show, right? And I also have to say, legally, uh, me being on that show 10 months ago has nothing to do with the current job I have at ABC that I can't talk about otherwise. Thank you. You know, I actually remember... But he's talking about it to us constantly. constantly. (laughs) I remember when you went to do Who Wants to Be a Millionaire... And I cannot believe it was as long ago as it was. <laughs> yeah, we were in like the old studio. Yeah. The... Did you win a million dollars? I won an NDA, and I'm thrilled with it. <laughs> if he won a million dollars, you think he'd still be here? <laughs> Even if you had won half a million dollars, would you still show up to keep it every day? Um, I gotta go somewhere. I'm like Ali Sheedy in the Breakfast Club. I just need somewhere to sit. I can't wait to see the gifts that we get after we find out that Lewis won $250,000. Enjoy my brand, everybody. (laughs) Uh, That's our show this week. And tune in Friday for another Keep It Brief, where I have a chat with Miss Holland Taylor herself. Legend. I know I already asked you this fucking question but are you listening to us on spotify one of the greatest ideas i can think of and not just because it's the only idea that's sitting in front of me right now i'm like a guppy i don't really remember what happened five seconds ago it's pretty great legally we can't say that our show is better on spotify but we can say that spotify is free easy to use and best of all it has us you know, when I hear the word guppy, I think of Flounder and Ariel. Oh, they're adorable. I have actually never seen a, The Little Mermaid. What? What? Isn't that crazy? I was just uh, clued into the character of Vanessa recently. Why was life preventing me from knowing about her? You never... It's too Now, cute. hundreds of thousands of other podcasts are free to listen to with the Spotify app. Download today and get into podcasts, especially this one, where we will do a live recording of The Little Mermaid for Lewis, all on Spotify. Have, how many Oscars was it nominated for? Mm, I'm going to go three. Mm. Definitely one one under the safe. You know that, but you haven't won. I know. My middle name is Sebastian. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. 
The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.